You're listening to episode 161 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here, and I have such a special guest on today. I've been waiting to do this interview for ages, and I'm bringing you Sarah Jane Case. And she is amazing. She's a writer, a speaker, and a podcaster based in Asheville, North Carolina. And Sarah Jane teaches the Enneagram as a tool for personal growth and self-compassion. She's also the creator of a hugely popular Instagram account and a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee. And Sarah Jane is just one of those humans that you come across and she practically radiates sunshine. (laughs) She's just the most beautiful person inside and out. And I have been following her on her personal account on Instagram for ages. Um, I just adore her. I had a chance to meet her briefly at an event earlier this year. And I connected with her a few months ago to ask if she would come on the podcast. So we booked it way in advance and it, I was so pumped. I've been looking forward to this for ages and I've had a lot of people ask about the Enneagram and I knew that if I was going to talk about it, I had to bring on the, the source to me, is Sarah Jane, to talk about the Enneagram. So she is explaining to us what the Enneagram is. Uh, In case you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry, Sarah Jane has you covered and gives the most thoughtful and beautiful explanation of the Enneagram I think I've ever heard. Uh, She's giving us the rundown on why it's such a helpful tool and how you can figure out what your number is and how to sort of determine how to use the Enneagram in a way that reinforces showing ourselves kindness and enforcing necessary boundaries, along with how it can impact our relationships as well. She's also discussing with us a side of things that I think is really important, which is when identifying a little bit too strongly with one's number can actually do more harm than good too. This is such a fantastic interview. I'm so excited. Buckle up, uh, bring a notebook because Sarah Jane is giving so much great information in this one. I don't want you to miss a single second and I'm not going to hold things up any longer. Let's dive in. I am over the moon excited to have Sarah Jane Case with us today. Sarah Jane, thank you so much for being on today. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We, we met very briefly at uh, Tyler McCall's uh, event back in May, and I was so excited because I wondered if you might be there because obviously you and Tyler are besties and, <laughs> and the cutest besties <laughs> ever, I might add. <laughs> I am obsessed with Tyler. <laughs> Who is it? He's the, the <laughs> most adorable man on Instagram. <laughs> truly, truly. And I was so excited to, to see you. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have to see if she would consider coming on the podcast to talk Enneagrams because I, I think this is such a cool topic and I'm so excited to talk to you more about this and the work that you do. So tell us a little bit about you, who you are, a little bit of background on you, kind of how you got to where you are today. 
Yeah. So I actually have a background in working with business owners um, who feel like they're losing energy for their business. Um, so I've done a lot of burnout prevention and recovery, a lot of creative consulting. So how do we like maintain our creativity? And in the middle of doing that work, I found the Enneagram and I found that it you know, I was applying it to every single area of my life, my marriage, my relationship to myself, my friendships, and my clients. And um, I realized that in so many of the different areas that I've done in my life, all the work that I've done, the Enneagram um, kind of gave language to what I really wanted to be doing, which was just understanding people, why they do what they do, and how to help them to navigate their relationship to themselves. Um, so through that process, I've really taken the Enneagram and really run with it as my primary focus of attention um, in the last year or so. And I've just watched the Instagram account. I was one of your very first followers for the your Enneagram account, and I've just watched it explode and, and so rapidly too, which was amazing. And it really speaks to me about like how, how interested people are in the Enneagram. And just with that account alone, I feel like you've opened the door to the Enneagram to all kinds of people who had no idea who it even what, what it even was before. <laughs> oh, thank you. Like my, I think I, it means so much to me that it grew. Um, I mean, it grew so rapidly and it was kind of overwhelming and beautiful and exciting. Uh, but I think at this point, you know, I have, it's kind of, we grow at a steadier pace and it's been really, it's been really humbling and beautiful to think about the Enneagram. What ultimately it does is it says, Hey, here's who you are. Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. And that is like the driving passion of my life is helping people to truly connect to themselves. And the fact that I'm able to do that via Instagram is just the coolest thing in the world. It is pretty crazy. Like the tools that we, that we have at our disposal that were never even a thing before. <laughs> like it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. So explain to us a little bit about what the Enneagram is, because obviously there's different kinds of of personality tests and typing like Myers-Briggs is, is one that's really commonly referenced and uh, there's a handful of others, but what, what is the Enneagram and what sets it apart from some of the others out there? Mm, yeah. So the Enneagram is essentially a map. It's a map of human psyche um, and it's broken down into nine distinct personality types. Each type has a different basic motivation, a dis basic fears that impact the way that we show up in the world. Um, another way to think about it is that, you know, with the Myers-Briggs, they'll, they'll say, here's what you do. Uh, the Enneagram's kind of like, hey, here's the stories you've been telling yourself about who you need to be in order to be loved and in order to be safe. And you don't have to do that. You can think, you can actually be loved and be safe without creating those stories, without holding onto those stories or trying so hard. That is, I think, the most beautiful way I've ever heard the Enneagram described. Usually people kind of like, I mean, of course, I expected you to be one of, one of the experts on it anyway, but it's, I think that that's just a really beautiful way of putting it about the stories that we tell ourselves about what we need to feel loved and safe. I've never heard it put that way before, and I think that that's so lovely. That, that's amazing that you just phrased it that way. <laughs> that's kind of like a new way of me thinking about it and talking about it, because I... Um, I'm a very practical person, very action oriented. And a lot of the Enneagram is very kind of esoteric. It's like, you are not your personality. You're separate from your, the way that you show up in the world. And that's hard to describe, um, in like tangible, practical 
ways. And, and I've done a lot of work around like the stories I tell myself that I adopted from my family of origin, our culture. Uh, and I realized like the Enneagram really is just another story that we picked up when we were tiny um, about what we needed to be. Uh, yeah. That, and that, I think that's really powerful to look at it in that way because, and, and I mean, there's so many more questions that, that we're going to dive into around, uh, around the Enneagram, but I think that sometimes when people identify too strongly and they get kind of too strongly attached to a particular label for themselves, that it can, it can end up working against us. And then mm -hmm. it becomes not so much a tool, but a weapon. So how do you kind of direct people to, to use it to help themselves and to better themselves without going down the road of like taking it too far? Yeah, good question. So I think I'm very passionate about celebrating the good that our number brings into our life, right? Like, um, not necessarily like an excuse, like I'm a seven, so I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Like I'm going to be flighty or whatever the thing is. Um, but more so, well, thank goodness, like I have this innate coping mechanism. Like we all need coping mechanisms. We just sometimes overuse them. And, and so the Enneagram, it's kind of showing us like, here are your coping mechanisms and, and you can choose to rest into the fact that like, I have this available to me and, or you can overuse it. Um, and I think that you can tell a notable difference between if there's, um, extra effort being exported in order to gain love or gain safety, or if you feel like you, you can sit back in your body, you can breathe full deep breaths. Um, I know that's very like somatic, but I think it, I think it is that simple, right? Like are, am I striving or am I being? That's a really interesting way of putting it because I, I mean, I think a lot of us actually don't use the somatic side of things enough. Like we can get so up in our own heads and overthink things that we forget about the basics like just breathing. <laughs> like breathing can be one of our best tools and we often just kind of shove it aside and don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be such a good tool for, um, you know, calming our system. It can be such a good tool for um, being present, but it, it's also just a tool of like noticing is my, is my breath labored? Is my breath feel relaxed? Um, it can really, for a lot of types, bring awareness into what's happening for you in your body because some some of us are a little bit more detached than others in that way. And and I think that when we're talking about the the Enneagram and we're kind of looking at, um, let's say, pros and cons of of each side. It, that's that's not necessarily the best way of putting it, but I think that sometimes when when we're looking at it that way how do you refer to it when someone is maybe going a little bit too far down the road of like do you do you call it kind of like an unhealthy let's say a type eight or an unbalanced eight or whatever that that type number is how do you kind of refer to that if somebody is leaning a little bit too far towards the maybe not necessarily ideal uh sides of their enneagram type yeah. So, um, I have two kind of ways that I think about it. I think there's one, which is the, um, the unaware, right? Like we're not quite, we don't know that these are our patterns. We don't know that these are the things that are impacting our lives in positive and negative ways. And so there's the unaware, right? Like that can show up in the lower levels because they don't know what they're supposed to be working with. Um, and so those are like the, the more like pre-Enneagram, not really doing the work around the Enneagram, not really aware that they should be. 
Um, and then we have those of us who've discovered the Enneagram who will continue to fall into the lower levels of our number. Like it's just part of life, right? Like we're never going to surpass our coping mechanisms. We're never going to get beyond all of this. Um, and for that, I think, you know, I, I do call it levels of health. And I think of it more as like, I can show up as a high level seven, like I'm a type seven. So I can show up as a high level seven or a low level seven in a given day or in a given circumstance. Um, I might have a really easy, natural relationship to my job and a really unnatural relationship to partnering with another person. Um, and you know, or vice versa, um, yeah, so I think we can show up in a range of, of ourselves every single day. And so it's really about creating a relationship to our growth, a relationship that is active and participatory every single day where we notice we and we choose how we respond. Well, and talk to us, by the way, I really like how you how you put that about the, the levels, like lower level or higher level, because in my head, then that also kind of ties into things like like energy levels. And I prefer that because it's not kind of as negative a way as referring to, to anyone who's maybe not like maximizing their own personality or just their personal growth or whatever. And mm -hmm. kind of thinking about it in terms of levels makes me think of like energy. I, I much prefer that, that way of phrasing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, if you think about when we show up in our, our lower levels, it's usually because we're tired, we're hungry, we don't feel safe, we feel triggered in some way. Like it's not necessarily because we like want to, you know, it's not like because we're like actively trying to not do ourselves any favors or or do harm to other people. It's it's usually because we just have basic needs that aren't being met. Yes. Oh, that's so accurate. I love that. So what about um Actually, I really want to talk to you about, about wings before we kind of get into some other areas. What are, what exactly are the wings? Because people can be like a particular type. And I guess I want to know, like, does everyone have a wing or is it only some people? And what does the wing actually even mean? Because for example, when I did a test, I was given my top results, especially the top three but I'm not actually even sure if I have a wing or not. <laughs> so I'd love to hear more about this. <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, so the wing is essentially can be the number on either side of your number. So there's nine numbers of the Enneagram and on either side is kind of, they're considered your wing. So let's say type three can have a wing of type two or a wing of type four. And some of us, you know, you really lean into one number. So a type three with a really strong two wing is going to have a lot of type two characteristics um, that kind of round out that type three personality. Some people, um, they say like, I'm a true three, like they don't feel like they have a, a wing on either side. And it, and it really is person to person. But I think the work in the Enneagram is that these two wings are on either side of us as a way to kind of balance us out. So there's skills that we have available to us that we can grow, we can enhance. Um, so I'll speak for a seven. So as a type seven, um, type sevens kind of have the, they're quick thinkers, they're quick movers. They don't always think things through before they take action. Sometimes they don't follow through with ideas that they have. 
And so type six on that one side of them can really help them to think through what could potentially, what do I need to be thinking about? How do I need to think forward about this in terms of what could go wrong so that I can prepare for that? And then the type eight wing on the other side can really help them to like put their nose to the grindstone and get the work done and really get something out there um, that they've been dreaming about. So we can really use both of those wings. So all of that to say that the work isn't in balancing those wings out. So how can you intentionally build the skills of either wing? Okay. That's really powerful actually. And I love that too, that then you can kind of take potentially assuming that you, you kind of can lean either way, depending on, on what your number is to kind of take some of the really great qualities of the other sides and use that to your advantage to help you in areas where your own type is maybe having a little bit of difficulty pushing through something. That's, that's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. How can we kind of use, what are some of the other ways that you feel like we can use the Enneagram to our advantage? Yeah. So I'm very passionate about starting with your relationship to yourself and um, creating a safe space of, of unconditional love with who you are. So um, I really think the first step of learning the Enneagram is learning what you bring to the lives of the people um, like that's positive. You know, every type has positive qualities. So focus first on who have I been in my life that is good and build a safe space. And then from there, start considering um, how does the feeling that I have to do these things, I have to be this way not serving me in the long term, not serving me, not serving other people and not serving my work. And how can I explore that kind of one at a time uh, and allow yourself to be brutally honest about it. And then allow yourself so much grace in the process of, of, of noticing and, and remember that there's no bad number. There's no good number. Every number has shadow. Every number has light. And it's really about figuring out how can I, you know, choose the route of being over the route of striving in every moment, every second, um, every decision that I make. And we're all going to mess that up. Yes, that, <laughs> we definitely will all manage to mess that up at one point or another. Okay. <laughs> being over striving. That's a really fascinating way of phrasing that, I think, as well, because that's, that's a reminder that all of us can use a little bit more often because we can get so goal focused and we're sort of in this like go, go, go society that I feel like a lot of us are constantly striving as opposed to just being within ourselves and, and accepting of ourselves, which kind of ties in with what you discuss so often, which is self-compassion and using the Enneagram to have a little bit of self-compassion. So can you walk us through a little bit of that and, and how we can use that kind of for our own personal growth as well? Yeah. Um, you know, I think self-compassion or compassion in general for other people or for ourselves, I think it starts with curiosity. You know, if we're able to really ask like, why is this happening? It's so much easier to meet that answer with understanding and compassion. So when it comes to ourselves and it comes to the Enneagram, you know, if you find out your number and you realize like, oh, I do this thing over and over and over again, it's not serving me. Instead of saying, like, I just need to fix it, I need to get better, I need to get disciplined, focus on curiosity. Ask yourself really good questions. Ask yourself why this is here. 
um, what it is that you need, what kind of environment that you need to thrive, um, what isn't serving you, what is serving you, and what would make this easier. I think a lot of times we try to make things really hard because we feel like that's like the noble way to grow is if we just like punish ourselves on a regular basis for not being um, everything that we think we're supposed to be. In reality, I think it's actually much more helpful to say, how can I create a safe environment? Um, how can I take the path of least resistance toward being who I want to be in the world? Just like we would with a child, right? Like if um, my son was having a hard time reading, I wouldn't be like, just do better, just show up better, be work harder, read harder. It's not going to help, right? Like I want to create an environment where he can express to me what is hard about it, why it's not working what feels challenging. And then I can help him solve those problems. I can nurture him, comfort him, encourage him. And we should treat ourselves the same way. Well, what that reminds me of too, is that I think that the Enneagram can, can sort of give us the language that we need in order to better communicate and, and express ourselves, which really ties in with how the Enneagram can affect us in our personal relationships as well, particularly romantic ones. But I think even just, you know, friendship wise and stuff too, it can play a really big role. So how do you kind of walk people through the best ways to use that in, in their relationships? Yeah. Um, so I think the, the first step in relationship is making sure that you're focusing on what you're bringing to the table. It can be really tempting to, focus on what the other person should do or, or work on or think about. And I get questions all the time, like my partner won't read the Enneagram, won't study the Enneagram, how, you know, and, and the truth is we can't control what other people do. We can really only control ourselves. So first step is focus on what you need and what you bring to the table. And the second step is, you know, yeah, use that language to say, this is why, um, this is what, I understand that this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And be willing to own what you bring to the table. Don't be ashamed because the truth is we all bring good and bad to every relationship in our lives. It's just part of being a human. And so be comfortable saying, yeah, this is my stuff. Like this is what I bring to the table. And the more upfront you can be with yourself and with your partners um, or your friendships or you know, your colleagues about what you bring to the table, the easier it is to work with that. You know, we don't really get mad at people um, for being flawed. We, we struggle when we, when they try to deny the flaw, when they won't look at the flaw, that's when it's tricky. Um, so the sooner you can get comfortable with the fact that like, yeah, we're all kind of, trying our best, but we're all going to fall short, the easier it is to, to kind of do this work and really create a unified experience for everybody. Well, and, and, and it is work. That's the thing is that the Enneagram isn't something that's just like just handed to us and, and then, okay, you know, you're this type. So yeah. <laughs> right? like it's, there's so much more involved with this and like different ways that we need to actually use it and utilize it and build, you know, a language around it in order mm -hmm. to better serve us and, and take us farther in, you know, our personal growth, our relationships, our acceptance of ourselves. I, I just think that it's, it's really powerful the way that, that you've kind of phrased this and laid it out for people. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Like, I think it's important to acknowledge that the Enneagram is an active process. It's not like a, it's not a prescription. It's not like here's what you are. 
and it's not a diagnosis, right? It's a prescription. That's like the better way to phrase it. Um, it's not saying this is what you are. Here's what you're stuck with. Um, it's like, Hey, here's some things to think about. And here's some things that maybe aren't serving you very well, but also here's some things that are beautiful about you and incredible. And how do you want to move forward? And at the end of the day, right, it's, it's always a choice. Like you get to choose if you do this work or not, but, um, gosh, it's so rewarding when you do. So, um, I encourage everyone to really take the time to celebrate your light and acknowledge your shadow and, and see what you can do to, to work with that. And what about when I've heard you talk before about why we don't type other people. And Mm -hmm. in my experience, this can be really common among people who are familiar with the Enneagram. They'll they'll kind of start seeing certain traits or, or qualities in other people, which can be a really beautiful thing, but it can also have some negative effects too. So can you tell us a little bit about why we should sort of just stay in our own lane and stick to typing ourselves instead. <laughs> yeah. And, and I want to say first, like it's tempting and it's natural. Um, and when you start to learn this, that you're going to start to see things and you're going to want to pull patterns together. It happens. Um, I just encourage you guys to keep it away from, from the people who you're trying, like who you're doing this with, like really let that be an internal experience for you. Um, because what can happen is can create a ton of confusion because the big difference in the Enneagram and other types is that the Enneagram is completely motivation-based. And as much as we like to think we know people's motivations, we absolutely do not. Um, we can see pattern, you know, people see me and they're like, oh, you're so authentic. You must be a four or you talked about safety today. You must be a six. And it's like, that's not how it goes. It's really about what is driving those behaviors? You know, what's the motivation there? Why do I want those things? Why am I talking about those things? And you also don't know how much growth someone has done prior to even finding the Enneagram. A lot of the things, um, you know, a lot of people start personal growth journeys well before they find the Enneagram and they've done a lot of work on the, the symptoms of their Enneagram type well before they've heard the, the word. So all of that to say, we can't type anyone else. We absolutely just can't. Um, and I am passionate about not doing that because it creates confusion. So it can make someone's journey much, much longer. And it can be a form of emotional manipulation and control. Like it can be a sense of, I want you to accept the way that I see you. I want you to value my voice of who you are over your own understanding of who you've been. And that can be really harmful to somebody in their journey of self-exploration. I never thought of it that way. That's actually a really fascinating piece that, that we can kind of use it to manipulate another human because I, I always think about manipulation. You know, there are people who do it intentionally and then there are people who do it unintentionally. And I think that we all manipulate people to some degree. We, we don't want to think that way, but we definitely right. do. And yeah. we, we have to look at kind of the bigger picture there. And this can absolutely be a tool for manipulation. Yeah. Well, because it's easier to be in a relationship, you know, we think, you know, our subconscious, it's like, it's easier to be in a relationship to people if they would just do what we wanted them to do. Of course. Um, <laughs> why, why aren't you agreeing with me all the time? <laughs> like, I think that you need to work on this. So why don't you work on it? Um, and I think that that, the reason that that's particularly important is let's say for me as a seven, um, a lot of my work in life has been the learning that it's okay for me to not have all of my time filled up. 
It's okay for me to not have hundreds of, of acquaintances, but to really have just a few close friends. And to someone else, to the untrained eye, that can look like depression. If you start spending more time at home, you stop calling people, you, you know, you quit reaching out. Um, but for me, that's like so, so healthy and so growth. That's such a growth mindset. Um, and so when we start to try to like project and apply our understanding of, of the world and other people into someone else's growth journey, it's just a mess. You know, it can be really, it can just be really complicated and messy and, and we're all human. So we're all going to have ulterior motives at times. Of course. Absolutely. And tying it back a little bit more to, to self-compassion again, I mean, self-compassion has sort of been threaded throughout all of this. Do you have other uh, sort of specific go-to tips that you want people to know about how to use self-compassion when it comes to the Enneagram? Yeah. So, you know, I think the first thing is to greet the Enneagram with curiosity, you know, allow it to allow yourself to really consider what is real and what is not trust your own understanding of yourself um, you know, you, you know, you know yourself better than anybody does. Um, some types have a harder time accessing that than others, but allow yourself to explore what it would, what it would be like if, if you couldn't mess this up, you know, like if, if you feel like a two for a while, let yourself play with that energy. See how that feels. There's no wrong way to Enneagram, um, because the intention is to do more good and less harm. And there's no hurt, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so that's one, is really feel comfortable trusting yourself in this process. Um, and then the second one is really make sure that your voice in your mind is, is reinforcing kindness in when you're interpreting this stuff. So if I read something about my type that stings, feels too real, and, and maybe reminds me of harm that I've done to myself or to others in the past, being able to say, why did you do that? What happened? Um, what were you afraid of? Talk to yourself like you would a child or, you know, even talk to your own inner child when you're doing this work because that's who's, that's who's trying to survive, you know? That's the one that developed all of this. So really allow it to be a gentle, loving, nurturing process. I, I really think that that's such a fantastic reminder to just kind of lean into it and to lean into the work and not berate ourselves when we see some of those, you know, lower level or, or we research some of those lower level aspects of our personalities because it can be quite triggering. Like we've all had that experience of thinking back to to a particular situation or something like that where, where we feel we've behaved in a less than ideal manner, <laughs> less than stellar. And that can be incredibly triggering when we tie that in with our personality, because then that, that brings up all kinds of issues around shame. And then we can start to go down the road of like, I am bad versus I did something bad. Mm -hmm. And that can be a really dangerous road to, to go down to. A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, we would never we rarely would look at someone else and think because you've done something bad in your life, you are evil, you know, but it can be really easy to do that to ourselves. Um, and this may be like a silly parallel, but I, I feel like it's relevant. Um, you know, I, I used to, when I, you know, I launched a podcast and, and I got my first negative comment on the podcast, which 
is normal, y'all. Like if you put anything out there, you're going to get positive and negative responses. It's just part of life. I got my first negative review and I was so sad. Um, but then what I chose to do was I was like, what's a podcast that I love that I think is great. And I went to their comp, their reviews, and I read all of their comments. And so I read through their negative reviews and I thought, well, that's ridiculous because this podcast is great to me and these people are being nitpicky. And so it allowed me to hold perspective for the negative responses that I was receiving on mine and to not take it personally. And I think it's the same thing with the Enneagram. If we can, you know, we get, we read something negative about ourselves and we think this is like a death sentence, right? Like this is the worst thing I could imagine. But if we can really look around and see, oh, everybody, everybody, we're all light, we're all shadow, we're all messing up, we're all trying our best. Their bad's not that bad to me. So why is mine so serious? That's such a great example because it's funny. I actually talked in the podcast uh, a while back about this one review that I got and, and it, it wasn't even that negative. It, the, the review for the podcast said, you know, that it was good, but that um, the episodes are too long. And she was, <laughs> the, the person saying it was only referring to two episodes out of like over 150 that were like yeah. close to an hour and a half long. I'm like, uh-huh. really out of that many? And I was just, I was so annoyed and like allowing myself to get so deeply sucked into it because we yeah. totally had, it's like this shame spiral, right? But it's true that everyone is going to deal with things like that. And it's more about how we accept it for ourselves and, you know, have some compassion maybe for the other person too, or just even accept that we aren't for everyone and that that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think like, I read recently, like the boundaries work, um, isn't about if everyone's going to like your boundaries or not. It's about learning that it's okay that people might not like things that you do. Yes. And I think that that's such an important reminder that none of us are going to be liked by everyone, especially when we are doing kind of more creative work, especially as entrepreneurs and stuff like that and putting ourselves out there on, on a larger scale than was ever possible, say like 50 or hundred years ago. And it's only natural that we're going to clash with some people. And that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> we need to, yeah. to understand that that's part of the process. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, if we're not clashing with people, we're not being honest with ourselves, right? We're not being true um, to who we are because honesty is so different to everybody, you know, but when we share our truth, it, it can, it's going to clash with someone else's truth. And that's a good thing. It's a good sign that we're being as open and as available and, as true as possible. That's such a great reminder as well. Actually, yeah, that it, if I, I also think too that sometimes if we aren't clashing with people, we we aren't even showing up as the true version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like then we're we're sort of just trying to show up as the version of ourselves that we think that that person will will like or resonate with, mm-hmm. and then we we're like little chameleons and we try to to change that again for the next person so that we'll be liked by them. And it's just not being honest to, to them or to ourselves. If that's a kind of another form of manipulation to some, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're, we're trying to influence someone else's reaction to us by creating a version of ourselves that isn't actually true to ourselves. Yeah. And then, and that limits our impact, you know, it limits our ability to actually alter the course of someone's existence for the better. You know, you think about like, the teachers that we had growing up who are like the hardest, toughest, least likable teachers usually taught us the most valuable life lessons. 
that actually helped us as we grew into adults. You know, I, I have so many teachers like that. I remember that I wish I could go back and be like, oh, I get why you made me like memorize my social security number. And I hated it at the time and I wasn't very nice to you, but now it, it, it aids me every single day of my life, you know? That's amazing. I love that too. Cause I talk about impact so much. So I love that you brought that up and kind of highlighted that about when we show up that way, it limits our impact. That's such a powerful <laughs> reminder. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how can we even figure out what type we are? Good question. So um, you can take a test online. There are tests on enneagraminstitute.com. Um, my favorite test, it costs, it costs, but it's the most accurate. It's like 95% accurate is on integrative9.com. And so you can take the test. If you choose to take a free test, don't just take it at face value. Make sure you read the types um, because it is motivation-based. So a lot of people mistype. It's really easy to mistype. So um, make sure you read through the types. Institute.com has great descriptions and you can read through them and really see which one resonates the most with you. Um, I also have a self-typing workshop. So if you start, if you take a test, you read up a little bit, you're still a little bit confused, not quite sure. Um, you can take the self-typing workshop on through our Instagram page. Um, and that will walk you through how to really get clear if you're, you have a basic understanding, but you need to narrow it down and, and know for sure what your type is. Amazing. Yes. And that will all be referenced over in the show notes so that everyone can go and check that out as well, because I think that's such a great tool. And as everyone can tell listening, Sarah Jane just has like the most beautiful explanation of, of walking everyone through this process. So I'm really excited for everyone to go check out your typing workshop because I know that you'll bring all of your, your like compassion for others and compassion in this work to that type of thing as well. So that's amazing. I love it. Thanks. Uh, so let everyone know where we can find you because I know that everyone's going to fall in love with you after hearing all of this and they're, they're going to want to connect with you. So let us know where we can find you. Because <laughs> I would love to connect with all of you. Um, so all of my Enneagram stuff is on Instagram at Enneagram and Coffee. Um, I also have a podcast on the Enneagram called Enneagram and Coffee as well. And I share so much of my life and um, connect with you guys more on my Instagram, Sarah Jane Case. Um, it's a lot more of like bravery, self-compassion, um, self-reflection, and all of that goodness there. I absolutely love your stories. I just want to tell everyone that like Sarah Jane has the best stories on, on like your, your personal account, especially um, just so honest and giving people like a look behind the scenes of your everyday life. I love watching you with uh, your husband and your little boy. Like it's just, it's the cutest. I, everyone needs to go check out Sarah Jane's account because it's just amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Stories are my favorite. I live for stories and I feel like I get to know people um, so much better in the DMs when we can connect on like the human level of like what we're experiencing. Um, so I, yeah, I love stories. Oh, awesome. And you were working on a book not that long ago too. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. I didn't, I didn't check with you about this before, before we jumped on, but <laughs> well, I, yeah, every author wants someone <laughs> to ask them about their book. <laughs> so please tell us about the book because I'm, I've been dying to know more information. So tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wrote a book on the Enneagram. It's all about, it's all from the lens of self-compassion um, and ideally it's, you know, a lot of Enneagram books are 
textbook-esque. Like they, they really read like a textbook. And I wanted this one to feel like you and I were having a conversation. Like I was sharing with you what it was, how it worked, ways to work with your type, um, things I love about your type, things that might not be serving you, but just from a place of like, I'm, you and I are having coffee and we're talking. Um, so the book will come out in the spring of 2020. And I'm just over the moon excited about it and nervous, of course. But. Of course. Like anytime you're, you're pouring yourself into that kind of a published work, like that I can only imagine is just next level in terms of <laughs> being nervous about putting something out into the world. But I'm so excited. And I really loved how um, you, you went to Copenhagen to write it. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved how you just watching your process every day and how you were going about um, like the, the discipline involved to, to put it out there too. I thought that that was really cool. And, and I'm excited to hear kind of more from you about that uh, eventually when you're ready to kind of share your process around writing the book. Cause I think that's really cool for a lot of people to see. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Cause I think that process was so special to me and so sacred. And I, um, yeah, I, I would love to talk about that anytime and I'm excited to, to get to share more as, as things unravel. Well, we'll have to have you back on about how to publish a book <laughs> and Don't you can walk it. us through your process. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to wrap up with one last question. I always ask every guest, if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to reiterate the idea of don't meet yourself with discipline, meet yourself with compassion and curiosity and to really choose the path of curiosity any chance that you get. If you feel the temptation to over control yourself, instead, I hope that you ask yourself more questions and really get to the root of why it's not working, what you could be doing that could nurture yourself better. And, um, and remember that, you know, there's no surpassing humanity. There's no surpassing the human experience. So growth is really just about a day-to-day -day experience of, of how we can nurture ourselves and others better. Um, and there's no destination to this work. Oh, there's no destination to this work. That is a soundbite right there. Let me tell you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sarah Jane, you've been so generous with your time. I'm so excited that we got to speak, especially about all this, but even just in general. Um, yeah, I mean, as everyone can tell, I'm a huge fan of your work. So thank you so much for showing up with everything that, we, that you do every day, showing up bravely and teaching us how to have a little bit more self-compassion. And thank you so much for coming on today and taking the time. I've absolutely loved having you on. <laughs> yeah, it's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. I'm so incredibly grateful that you took the time because it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so that I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday Thursday and Saturday with brand new episodes and I am looking forward to growing with you.